You're listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, where it's all about helping you grow your Denver real estate portfolio. Here's your host, Chris Lopez. Hey, everyone. So today's episode is the first episode in our Ultimate House Hacking Guide to Denver. So this episode covers the basics of house hacking here in Denver, and also just a lot of the frequently asked questions we get from new house hacking clients as it pertains to house hacking in the Denver market. So if you're reading the Ultimate House Hacking Guide book, uh, this episode also mirrors chapter one in the book. If you need a copy, click on the show notes. You can order on Amazon or shoot an email. We have lots of copies around the office. I'm happy to give away for free. So the three hosts this episode are myself, Joe Massey and Jeff White. So here's recording. Enjoy. Joe, how would you define house hacking? Oh, I didn't know I was going to have to speak so soon. <laughs> house hacking is uh, is living in a property and renting out a portion of it. Um, and the portion that you're renting out is going to generate rent for you that you can use to make the payment. Um, and help offset your living expenses. Jeff, that a good do you definition agree or to get disagree? Right? That is about as good as definition as possible. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> yeah, I agree too. And it's really that simple: buy a place, live in it. Um, now, if you go on to um, you know Google and search for it, the most common definition you see or example you see is great: buy a place, like a, usually a duplex or a fourplex, live on one unit and rent the other units. There's way more to house hacking than beyond that. So you can definitely do that. There's also the options to rent out individual bedrooms. So you go out there and buy a four bedroom house. You live in one, you rent out two or three bedrooms. You can also Airbnb parts your house. You can Airbnb the other unit. You can Airbnb for some short-term rental income. You can also get creative and rent out your garage. We've got a house hacker, and he's got a big garage. He rents out for something like $400 a month to his neighbor, so his neighbor can store junk in there. Great. Um, there's lots of houses we see that have RV parking pads. You can get a couple hundred dollars a month for RV parking pads from people. So you get more creative like that. Uh, another thing people often overlook is doing multi-generational families living together. So this is something I'm doing myself currently where you've got grandparents, uh, parents and kids living together. And that's another way to save money. So don't get hyper-focused on just buying a duplex and say, I have to rent out other side of the room. There's so many other ways you can go out there and be a little more creative and get income coming in. And a common theme we'll hear us talk about is that house hacking, it's a balancing act between your personal needs and your investing needs. And it's about finding out what that right balance is for you. Because I can tell you, I'm house hacking, Jeff is house hacking, and we have two very, very definitions of it. It's not right or wrong. It's just what works for me in my current situation and what works for Jeff in his current situation. So, Jeff, while we're on this topic, where do you fit into these bullet points? <clears throat> I've done, uh, let's see. You've done a lot of these. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've done rent out the other unit. I rent out the rooms, a little Airbnb. Uh I don't have a garage, but I have a, a room that is a garage, so I guess that counts. Uh, <laughs> like a, and, a garage convert to a bedroom, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And multi generational family. Um, I have a little bit of that at my first property, so I've done yeah a little bit of everything. Um, and yeah, this is 
But I think that's the big thing that you just mentioned earlier that don't get stuck on one property type or one way to generate income, like depends on your situation and what your comfort is as well. And some people don't mind, uh, renting rooms. Some people do not want to rent rooms. Um, so it just depends on what your level of comfortability is and what type of returns you want playing that the balancing act there. And so you guys can see, since Jeff checked off everyone, those bullet points, Another reason we have nicknamed him the poster child. <laughs> that that is why he is the ultimate house hacking coach <laughs> right there. Um, all right. So, Joe, let me ask you this, because this is such an important concept. Walk us through the differences between what it looks like for someone buying a house hack and someone doing a traditional investing, like just the high level basics on a couple of the main bullet points. Yeah. Your, your main points when it comes to the financing, number one is down payment. Right? When you're buying your first property or second property or third property and it's your primary residence, you can make a smaller down payment. And we're really going to dig into that in module number two. Um, but that's one of the biggest benefits of buying a primary residence is low money down, low interest rate, which is the next bullet point there, versus if you're buying a property as an investment property, you need more money down and you're going to have a higher interest rate. So the emotional connection of buying a, a primary residence, that's built into the risk that the lender is forecasting. And, you know, factoring in that you're going to live there, we can help you put less money down. Factoring in that you're going to live there can help you qualify for a lower interest rate. Um, these are benefits that make the financing uh, preferred and, you know, are going to save you money in the long term versus putting down 15, 20 or 25 percent and having a higher interest rate on an investment property. So that's one of the critical pieces, you know, that primary residence status um, gives you a lot of beneficial terms. And then we're going to talk a lot. Uh, in the next module that you do have to live in the property for a year. Um, a primary residence is exactly that. It is where you sleep at night. It's where you get mail. It's where you reside. And that's got to be your primary residence for a minimum of a year once you buy that property. So as a quick example, and just kind of round numbers, Jeff, I mean, your last house hack you bought, um, I mean, it was close to $500,000. Correct. Uh, it was like $480,000 total? Four eighty five. Forty-five. Yeah. How much cash did you bring to close? How much down payment did you have to put down on that? Uh, all cash to close, seventeen thousand. Seventeen thousand dollars. So, Joe, if I came to you and I wanted to buy that house as a landlord, I'm putting out a lot more than that, right? Yeah. The bare minimum would be seventy-three thousand. So, so, look at that difference. Let's just round number. So, seventy-three thousand versus Jeff's twenty thousand dollars or so. That's the most powerful part of the house hacking is that I'm in this scenario, I'm bringing what four almost four times the amount of money than Jeff had to bring to the table. So that's the power of using the owner occupied down payment. And uh, Joe will talk a lot more about that here in the next module. So here's a really important thing that we often talk about with clients, because uh, I have clients come in and they say, hey, I've been studying house hacking. I know what I want to do. I don't go out there and find this fourplex. I got these numbers. I'm going to live for free. And I mean, it's a great goal. But then I call it looking for the Grand Slam house hack property. And finding a Grand Slam house hack property is not going to be a deal maker, deal breaker. So what's going to be a deal maker, deal breaker is if you buy one property or five properties. So if I go out there and I find the greatest house hack property in the world, 
I'm living for free and making a thousand bucks a month or whatever it is. And I live there for 10 years. In that meantime, though, if Jeff is house hacking, but then he does that multiple times and 10 years later, he owns five properties, then he moves out. I have a house I live in and he has five rental properties. Joe, you're smart with lending and numbers. Who's wealthier? Uh, Jeff is far wealthier with his five properties than you are with your one property, Chris. And so uh, one of our good buddies in Fort Collins, James Orr, he has coined this term called nomading. And we like to use it to help distinguish, uh, to help people get focused on not just buying that one property, but it's that sequential process of buying multiple properties. So it's what Jeff has done. He bought a fourplex, what, three or four years ago, lived in it for a year or so, then bought another house to live in then live there for, uh, for a while, then bought another house. So it's combining house hacking and nomading. It can really help um, create a lot of wealth. So just understand here, you don't need to have the perfect house hack. Um, you need to have a good house hack. I'd rather have a good house hack. I'd rather have multiple good house hacks versus the unicorn of a house hack. Because as Joe said, if, I have, if Jeff has five properties and I have one property, Jeff is uh, wealthier than I am. He's probably getting close to retirement. But here's the thing. It depends what is right for you. Um, so just keep this in mind that don't get so tunnel vision on finding that one perfect property, but really think about in the long run, hey, what makes the most sense 10, 20 years out from now? And that's going to be owning multiple properties. So we'll talk a lot more about this. And you'll hear us distinguish between these two, and we'll often just refer to it as house hacking. But we want to just uh, separate the concept that there's buying one house or there's repeating the process. And it's the repeating the process is what really builds that long-term wealth. So, Joe, house hacking versus nomading, which one's right for you? You know what? you got to think through your own personal scenario and think about it. You know, we've got some folks like Jeff who... Um, He's had a ton of success with house hacking, and then he modified that and started doing the nomad process as well, and he's doing fantastic. Um, now, I know Jeff. He's a single guy, um, no kids, no spouse yet. Pretty easy for him to move every year and pretty easy, relatively, air quotes, pretty easy for him to have roommates. But what if Jeff's got um, a spouse and two small children? going to be pretty difficult to have roommates occupying the home with him, right? And, and maybe it's possible, but it's probably going to be uncomfortable. But maybe it's easier if Jeff's got a spouse and two children that, hey, you know what? We're going to move into one home. We're going to live here for a year. It's our house. Then next year, we're going to move out. We're going to buy a new property, and we're going to rent the house that we're vacating. Um, so it depends on your personal situation. depends on your financial status. Are you able to save up enough money to move every year? Or maybe you have to move every two years or every three years. Um, I think you just have to look at, you have to look in the mirror and you have to look at your personal financial situation and you have to think about your long-term goals. Um, you know, I'm sure in some of Jeff's modules, we're going to get into this. It's probably not always comfortable having roommates in the house, probably not always comfortable to have to manage tenants that are right next door when you're in a multi-unit, but it is a means to an end. It's a way that he can generate wealth very, very rapidly. And you need to make sure that you're comfortable doing that. You're comfortable having your tenants right there under the same roof as you. If you're not, maybe it's not right for you. If you are comfortable with that, great. Maybe you're not comfortable moving, okay? Maybe the nomad process is not right for you. Maybe you are just going to buy one property that you're going to house hack and then buy three or four other properties as traditional investment properties. Um, the, the answer is which one is right totally depends on the, the individual client, depends on timing in the market, 
depends on lots of variables. And that's a big thing that we talk about with all of our clients. And I, I, know, I know you do as well, Chris. Yeah. And just to give one more example out there, when I, you know, when I was getting serious about real estate investing, I was, I told my wife, I was like, Hey, we got to do this process. And she was like, hell no, we're not doing that. I was like, okay. Which I wasn't you know, surprised by, but it morphed into great. How can we improve our quality of life and also save living expenses? And I'm doing that multi-generational house act where we bought a house, we bought a bigger house than we would have, uh, just for us and our kids, we got a bigger house, but then it, the situation is right where her mom uh, can move in with us. We convert the basement to a mother-in-law suite, and that saves us a lot of money on monthly costs, and she also helps out with daycare. Um, so we are doing a house act differently. It's not the textbook example, but that was a right fit for us. That's easily saving me $2,000 a month or so, and $2,000 a month is a lot of money. So again, just emphasize, there's no one way to do it. It's what's the right way for you and your situation. We're going to keep emphasizing that. Ooh, pros and cons. Jeff, <laughs> why don't you talk about this, man? Yeah, talk, talk about the pros and cons here. All right. So I think those the pros are, yeah, the pros are obvious in the sense from the, the front end, you're going to have like Joe mentioned earlier, you're going to have that lower down payment, lower interest rate. So you're not having to put 20% down to buy a property. You're putting potentially 5% or less. Um, so upfront, you're having huge savings. Uh, and then you, by having that, and then my, my situation, I'm house hacking, nomading, um, it's short term. So the cons that you could put over there, <laughs> the moving, living with tenants, higher risk, uh, higher leverage, higher risk are, you know, the obvious ones. But I, I look at it, um, the, the one year, you know, it's just one year. Um, moving isn't fun. But the nice thing about when you move a lot is you seem to have less stuff every time because you have to become more efficient at moving. So I'm not, you know, packing up three couches and five TVs and, uh, all this stuff, it's really uh, a simple move where you just need a small little box truck. Um, and then living with tenants, um, the con and that, you could flip it around and say, if that shouldn't be a con if you could do good underwriting and pick out quality tenants um, and set the expectations up front when they first move in that they really shouldn't be an issue and they should be low maintenance and you know not pestering in your business or making a lot of noise, you know, that happens, but, uh, it's, you know, it's depends going back to the previous slide. Um, it just depends on your level, you know, what, where you're at in your life, your situation. And some people don't want anyone living next to them. They want their own space, their own privacy. Um, at the moment I'm and myself and my girlfriend, we're open to that because we understand the uh, the the long term benefit um, that you you don't see that's probably another pro is looking at it more over a period of time instead of just um, property to property. If you look at it over three to three to seven years, that's when it really accelerates. So then then um, the risk you're taking with the higher leverage eventually you'll be able to get enough cash flowing properties where you can just switch your strategy over a lot easier um, to doing more investment property type of purchases instead of always house hacking and nomading. You could uh, adapt your strategy 
and it'll be a lot easier easier for you in the future as well. So that's a, a roundabout way of saying uh, pros and cons for everything. But uh, I look at the cons, not a big deal. I haven't had uh, any living attendance. You know, you just get, it's kind of like you just adapt. People, you become what uh, you think about. So if you're just thinking about, oh, this tenant's so annoying, they make all this noise, they, you know, never pick up after themselves, uh, then, you know, that, that'd be a really stressful way to live. So I um, luckily have had really good tenants and they really just keep themselves and respect each other's spaces. And it's been uh, so far so good. And, you know, one of the you know, things that, I would, that stood out to me as you explained that, Jeff, is like you talked about cons, but every con you then turn into a pro. And yeah. that just goes to show like, you know, your, your mindset, because that is a big way uh, for any type of investing you do, your mindset and the way you look at things, that is definitely going to be a big factor in your success or failure. And you took it, as you said, in stride. And you're like, yeah, yeah, just whatever. Here, here's actually the pro to that. Here's actually the pro to that. Um, and I would say it's probably not so much luck that you've had good tenants. I know the way you screen tenants, and I think that also has a lot to do with the uh, you know the few headaches you've had so far with tenants. So, hey, all can, right, I, to can kinda, I comment one thing real quick? Of Go course. back one slide. So, one thing that I that I'm really excited about is um, part of Jeff's modules that are going to be later in the in the training course here in the next couple of days. You're going to be talking with how you screen tenants, how you find someone who's good. So. Everybody that's that's listening right now saying, man, what how does he do it? How does he how does he underwrite these tenants? That's one of the secrets that we're gonna pull back the curtain and share, right? Because Jeff is is an expert at that. Um, and you'll have the opportunity to speak with Jeff, talk to him, learn from him. Um, and so that's one of the big things that that I'm really excited that he's joining us because I'll re- I'll be the first one to raise my hand. I have no idea how to screen a tenant. I have a property manager. Um but that's why I'm really excited that Jeff's going to be here because he can share that with you guys and, and really add a ton of value. So I think this is this is going to be great having him on. All right. So some common questions we wrap out as we wrap up this module. So we wanted to cover the very basic information and this quickly answer some common questions we get as we talk to new house hackers. Uh, so Joe, you do lending, you know numbers. Give us the ballpark range for how much money do people need to house hack here in Denver when it comes to down payment, actually buying a property? What do you typically see? You know, I think you really need to be prepared to invest 5%. You can do it with less. Um, you can do it with more. But I think 5%, you know, average home price here in Denver now is, I think it's $438,000. I haven't looked at the stats lately on that. Um, you know, so I think you really need to have $20,000. Um, you could do it with less. You could do it with more. But just as a quick jumping off point, I think you want to have at least twenty grand. Yeah, and a lot of the transactions I see, most people are about you know uh, twenty to thirty thousand dollars plus or minus a few thousand dollars, and all went to buy a place. Now Jeff's example a few minutes ago, he was definitely lower than normal uh, or lower than average, which is great. We get those sometimes, but I agree with Joe. Plan on twenty to thirty thousand dollars minimum to buy the property. And we'll talk more numbers in future modules as well. So, Jeff, I mean, let me ask you this question. I get this like, well, the Denver market, it's expensive. It's just been going gangbusters the last, you know, almost decade now. So does it still work in the Denver market? Absolutely. You just have to find the right deal for your situation and think more creatively than uh, just a traditional way of 
thinking of just saying, Oh, I, I must buy a duplex and rent out the other side. Like problem with that way of thinking is you're going to overpay for a duplex and then it's not, the numbers aren't going to work versus, you know, renting by the room or, you know, maybe renting, finding a house with another space that you can rent out the basement or a mother-in-law space. Um, there's a lot of ways to approach things. And that's where the more creative you think about it, you'll start seeing a lot of properties that a lot of normal like investors uh, look at will, you know, you could see like, oh, there's an opportunity. I can, this deal can work and not be so limited, have self-limiting beliefs that, oh, there's no de- new deals in Denver. So bottom line, yes, there is. <laughs> um, so a, qu- a question we get all the time is, hey, what is the best property type? It's a duplex, right? Well, it really depends. And we'll talk a lot more about that in uh, a future module. Uh, just my advice is do not get hyper-focused on one type of property because it really depends on a lot of factors. And some of those factors are not in your control. Uh, another common question we get is, hey, I don't want to live with tenants what can I do? Well, there's two options here. One is you can go out there and buy a duplex and you might not be living directly with your tenants like would in an Airbnb or a, a room by room, but you live next door. Now, if you don't want to do that, great. Just focus on the nomad. We have a lot of clients, uh, whether they are, you know, a, a couple, you know, a husband and wife or a family, you know, a husband, wife, and a couple kids where they're at a point in their lives where they don't want to live with tenants. And that's perfectly fine because they live in a house for a year or two, then they move out in a year or two. And it goes back to our example earlier that in 10 years, it's not really going to matter if they house hacked or not, as long as they have those five rental properties where that goal is. So the best way I can put it there is like, if you don't need to live with your tenants, um, it's not going to make your break in the long run. What it will is, for example, like what Jeff was doing, um, if he can save up those, save up the down payments for the next property between this year and next year, great. He doesn't need to. But if he needs that money um, to fund the next down payment, well, then either got to live with your tenants or live there for two or three years, or go out there and you know get a side hustle or get more income coming in. So that's where the benefit is with tenants; they can bring that income to fund the next property purchase. They really speed up the velocity to the next property. Oh, so Joe, should I flip a house or should I house hack? Uh, well, I have my own personal opinions, but uh, let's take a, <laughs> well, let's take an up. objective point of view. Um, so flipping is going to be a short-term gain. You know, right now I have some very close friends that do fix and flip, some close associates. Right now, best case on a flip, you're going to make twenty thousand, thirty thousand, maybe fifty thousand if you're really good, um, and that's going to occur in six months, let's say, from the time you find the property to when you realize your gains. Um, but you can only do it once per property, right? You can only do it one time. You got to find the right deal. You got to renovate it. You do it. Then you gotta, you're got you back on the market looking over again, uh, looking for the next property. House hacking, you can make $20,000 a year. You can make $30,000 a year. We're going to go through uh, some deal analysis later on. I believe it's on Saturday um, in one of the later modules. And we'll show you how much money you're going to make with house hacking. And the great thing about it, it's not going to happen just once. It's going to happen year over year over year. So if you buy one house hack, you're going to make money on that every single year. You buy two, now you've got two properties making money every single year. So personally, I think house hacking is a much uh, much 
more effective way for long-term wealth and certainly easier. You know, you're not having to swing hammers. You're not having to renovate a house every week or every month. Um, flipping certainly is great opportunities if you're good at it. Uh, but I think house hacking is a much more, a much, much, I don't know, a lot more longevity in house hacking, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Flipping is, is almost a job, whereas house hacking can be more of a passive investment. And that, I think that's the key point there is flipping. It is a job or it is a business where house hacking, it's a recipe to follow that's pretty simple. So the reason, sometimes I add on here is like a lot of people saying, hey, I want to flip properties. I'm like, great, I get that. I'm all for it. I understand that's a business you're starting. But where do you currently, where do you currently live? Oh, well, I rent a place somewhere like, okay, well, you know, while you're flipping, why don't you pick up a few house hacks along the way? Like you're paying rent somewhere, go buy a house hack and rent along the way. Uh, so if you really want to flip, great, go for it. But house hack too while you're doing it. Oh, and then along those lines too, uh, house hacking, you know, like going back to that, you want, yeah, you have to, you know, I need a place to live. Um, and it's a lot easier to learn real estate when you're there all the time. And you could deal with tenants because you're, you're there. You have to go back to where you live. Um, things break down. Like you, you get like a hands-on experience without the risk of a flip. And I think that's the really great benefit of house hacking is, well, everyone needs a place to live. Um, you get all the financial benefits, but also the like knowledge base, that, like kind of investor knowledge base that grows every single day because you're combining your primary residence with investment property. So you get to learn, you know, hands-on every day that versus a flip is a full-time job basically. And most people already have full-time jobs and they don't want to. <laughs> so, and, and here's another thing that made me think of Jeff. So Joe, we, we talk about this. Uh, what's the exit strategy for flippers? You have to sell. Yeah. And long-term it's buying rental properties. A house hack is a future rental property you're buying. Yep. Um, so here's a question for you, Joe, from Rashan. Uh, he says, can you buy one property through an LLC and still do house hacking with a low down payment and interest rate? No. So if it's an LLC, that's not a primary residence because that's an entity buying the property. So you'd be getting a commercial loan on that. We actually have a half hour webinar uh, on taking out and buying properties in an LLC. Um, I, we'll, we'll be happy to send that out so you can uh, listen to that recording. And there's a blog post on that as well. Uh, but no, if you're getting a loan for an LLC, that's a commercial loan. That would not be your primary residence. And another question we get is people want to say, hey, can I do a house hack and can I burr? And burr is an acronym for buy, rehab, renovate, re repeat. If you don't know what it is, don't worry about it. If you do know what it is, um, combining the two is, it sounds good on paper, but in the Denver market in reality, it just does not work very well. And a big reason is because you're already buying the house for so low down that um, you already got for so low down. So that's kind of like the punchline there. And we'll talk more about that in the future, but don't try to do the unicorn burr strategy with a house act strategy because it's really hard to do. Just do house acts and it builds wealth. Uh, oh, here's always a question I get that I forget to answer in webinars. How do I start? It's pretty simple. Uh, we'll answer a lot of that through this course right now. We understand it's getting realistic expectations. It's getting your finances in order. It's talking to a lender and it's talking to an agent 
and getting out there and starting to look at properties. But the biggest thing to do on there and starting is to go talk to a lender. The very first thing you do is talk to a lender, and we'll talk a lot more details about that in the next module of the show. And Joe, here's a question we get um, as well, and you give us a simple answer here as possible, since a lot of house hackers are younger, uh, are younger people. Mm-hmm. Can I go out there and buy a house hack property while I have a large student loan debt? Uh, you know, it all depends, but yeah, I mean, I student loan debt is a real thing in this day and age, and I've given loans to people that have $10,000 in student loan debt, $50,000 in student loan debt, $100,000 in student loan debt. The big question is, how does it line up compared to your income? Can you afford the payments on your student loans? Can you afford the payment on the new mortgage? And maybe if you're not in a position right now that you can qualify individually, uh, do you have a, a spouse that wants to co- the, to be on the loan with you? Do you have a, a parent, brother, sister, aunt, uncle that can co-sign on the loan with you? Um, just because you have student loan debt, that is not something where I would just say, hey, no go, can't help you, don't bother calling. Um, no, not at all. We absolutely want to review it with you. And I think you'd find some surprising folks that were able to get approved um, just by going through and figuring out exactly where they stand, exactly what they've got going on, and and finding a solution for them. So yeah, that should not be a disqualifier in any way. And I'll add one thing to that is don't try to figure out if you qualify for a loan on your own or not. Talk to Joe or talk to your lender and actually have them look at all your documents and pull your credit because they will tell you if you can get money or not. And if one says no, go talk to three others. All right, so that wraps up for this module here. Uh, One thing I do wanna point out as we wrap up here is that as we're recording this, the 2020 Guide to Denver Real Estate Investing Strategies book is being published right now. Uh, So this is a book that I put together that has other investors contribute their investing strategy. I've got a chapter in here, Joe's got a chapter, Jeff has a chapter. In this edition and the previous edition as well. We've got other house hackers in there as well. So read the book. It's on Amazon. Um, and then most importantly, read the book. And every year we publish a new edition, write your strategy. Because by the end of this course or towards the end of this course, we want you to have your strategy figured out. And I would really encourage everyone to go out there and then write their strategy. Because if you write your strategy, you know where you're going and you're a lot more likely to have success out there. So how can we help? Uh, Again, please reach out to us with any questions. My voice is Chris Lopez. I'm an agent. I help you find houses. Joe's a lender. He'll help you get money to go buy the house and utilize wonderful owner-occupied financing. And Jeff is our house hacking coach. He can help you get the property up and running and get details figured out or referring to problems once the property is sold. All of our uh, contact details are on the website. Go to denverinvestmentrealestate.com slash help. That's HH for house hack, so HH help. All of our contact details are on there. Feel free to ask us questions, reach out with anything. We work as a team. We're happy to do whatever we can. So thank you for listening. Joe, Jeff, thank you guys. And we'll Thanks, see you Chris. next module. Thanks, Chris. Hey, thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Now, if you have any questions or need clarification, shoot me an email. Or if you want to grab a physical book copy of The Ultimate House Hacking Guide, also send me an email. My email is chris at denverinvestmentrealestate.com. A couple other services that we offer, if you need help putting together your investment plan and buying your first or your next house hacking property, reach out to me. That's what we specialize in. 
If you need help with lending and financing, reach out to Joe Massey. That's his specialty. And if you need help in stabilizing and operating your house act property, reach out to Jeff White, as that's his specialty. Now, all their contact details are in the show notes. If you have trouble funding them or you just want to keep it simple, shoot me an email. I'm happy to answer all your questions and also connect you with Joe, Jeff, or whoever you need to talk to. All right. We'll see you next episode.